I'm Katie. And this is I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. Hey, horror fans, if you like what you're hearing, follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. Please subscribe on Spotify or iTunes and give us a great rating. It'll help spread the word. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We are talking about Friday the 13th, the 1980 version, <laughs> not to be confused with any of any the other versions. The 412. That came later. I could be exaggerating. It feels could like. Could be. Maybe. 412. A bit. Um, the other versions. That was Katie's favorite, like a Halloween Time yeah, did, did we actually explain that uh, last time, that that's what we were going to do for October? It's been so long, I don't even remember. I have no recollection, but um, yeah, we decided um, that for our three episodes in October, each one we're going to focus on a movie that we, each of us, love to rewatch around Halloween time. Um, and so I'm going first, and my pick was this, the original Friday the 13th, so we're starting yeah. with that one. Yep. Um, so I rewatched it. Um, for this, and well, you'll hear more about what I think <laughs> later. Let's not get put the cart ahead of the horse here. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hold on. Let's start with what's new with you. What's new with you, Katie? Anything to share? Um, well, I had kind of an exciting experience this morning with my Girl Scouts. We got to go visit the um, horse stables in Golden Gate Park, where the San Francisco Police Mounted Unit. Uh, keeps their horses and uh, talk to those officers and get a tour of those facilities. So, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was really it was cool and interesting. And the hilarious part is, so all of the girls in our troop, you know, go to um, our school, my my kids' school that I just you know I now teach at um, St. Gabriel. And the officer that we met to give us this tune was like, uh, you know, where are you guys from? Or where do you go to school? And we're like, oh, St. Gabriel. He goes, all of you? And we go, yeah. And he goes. I graduated from St. Gabriel. <laughs> we're like, oh. You're like, oh. <laughs> All righty. What a small world. Yeah, it well, is. San go. Francisco is a, a very small world um, for the people that grow up there, which was strange for me because, you know, growing up in Sacramento, my concept of San Francisco is that's where everyone moved away to. Yeah. And so I never had this idea that there were people who were from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I moved here and I met my husband and his parents both grew up in San Francisco and like they know everyone like they cannot meet a person in San Francisco without doing the whole six degrees of separation and knowing people in common. Mm -hmm. And it was so such an eye opener to be like, oh, wow, this is actually a small town in some like, ways. This is a thing, actually. Yeah. And yeah. Just, yeah. And Pacific is the same way. It's very I mean, even more so, I think a, a small town. Oh, for um, sure. I can't but, go to the grocery store without seeing, like, multiple people. And yeah. if I look like Garbo, I'll go to, like, Daily City. I'm like, forget <laughs> it. I'm just driving over the hill so I can have some bit some, of a long time. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, hey. Hey, Jen. Like, I'll be in the line and I'll yeah. see somebody anyway. So what what's it really matter? It's inescapable. It really is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was that was uh, something fun that I did this morning. What's well, new with you? Well, really fun. I love Golden Gate Park. I yeah. never, I don't go enough. But, I don't um, either. It's really like and I, I always live go like, like ten blocks away from it. <laughs> oh well, you. <laughs> I have you no don't excuse. Have I'm much further away. Yeah. And, um, what's new with me? I've been playing a lot of it, uh, World of Warcraft, um, doing because there's a new like area we can go and do like raiding, and it's really fun. And then I've been like just working till late every day trying to catch up. But um, we went to my boyfriend's family like reunion last weekend. Um, so then I had to kind of recover from that, like oh, writing yeah. lesson plans and things to catch up all week during the week. Yeah. When you don't um, have the weekend, that's. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little bit. Then you're crazy. behind from the get go. I was. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> which was fine. I mean, I knew that would happen, but we went down to SoCal, uh, to, and it was really fun. And there's like all these Italians and <laughs> little Italian ladies and they're like, is your, is he treating you right? You better tell me. I'll set him straight. And, and I was like, okay. And it was really funny. And, um, it was really fun. And my kids went and I think they had a great time. And that's awesome. Really? That's about it. I've been like binging some shows when I'm done working or pa I'm like, I'm done. I can't do any more right now. Yeah. I'll watch some, some shows. So I need to check my brain out. Yeah. I really have to do that. So I've been watching American Horror Story, the new New season, and then I just finished it, and then I started Midnight Mass last night for my beloved Mike 
Flanagan. Who you haven't spoken of in several episodes, and I think it was starting to hurt his feelings. I know. He's probably like... She's really forgotten all about crushed. me. I better release another series here, to recapture here, her here attention. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. All right, I'll, I remember. I'll, I'll mention your name. I remember how much I love you. Yeah. So I'm an episode and some change, and I fell asleep. Not it's, it doesn't speak to like the the quality of it. I was just fairly tired. Yeah. You know that as teach, we all teach are your life all the time. Um, so that's what's new with me. Awesome. Um, yeah. Nothing. Work and video games. Exactly. And yeah. Television. So. Uh, I think you are doing the recap because it was your movie choice. Uh-huh. So it was Katie's. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Full disclosure. Full disclosure. <laughs> Meredith, this is not approved. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to do the recap this this time around. So yeah. uh, go ahead. Yeah. So I actually did the reason that I picked this for this whole favorite Halloween rewatch topic was because... Um, I mean, there's lots of scary movies that I love to rewatch every October, every Halloween, but I knew that this was one that I would never get both of you guys to agree to do an episode on <laughs> otherwise. Nope. Because <laughs> most of my other Halloween picks, I'm like, oh no, they would be down to do an episode on that at some point. But I'm like, sure. this one, no, no, I'm, I'm going to have to play my card um, to get this one on there. Otherwise, we would never talk about it. Yeah. You know that emoji with the teeth, like, grinning, like, ooh. Yeah. They're like, yeah, okay. That's that's me. When she's yeah. like, I want to do that. And I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll be a good sport. Yes. Okay. She is a good sport. Um, okay. So this is this is my my recap. Um, I At first, when I was, because um, I did rewatch it, even though I've probably seen it 15 or 20 times, Um but I was like, well, you know, I got to get my the specifics and the details for my recap. And I was like, I probably won't have to be that detailed because it's just a slasher flick, you know. Um, but, you know, my recap is still longer than <laughs> most of yours are of much better movies. So um, let's not waste All any right, more time. So let's go. <laughs> um, you have 45 minutes. <laughs> start talking fast. You better be fast. <clears throat> okay, so it opens at our, at the title card is Camp Crystal Lake in 1958. So that's where it starts out. And we have, we're seeing through the eyes of some unknown character who's walking through a cabin of sleeping campers. And we're getting the first uh, instance of the iconic, like, sound effect that is, like, famously associated with Jason Voorhees. Um, but again, we're just seeing through the eyes of this character. We don't know who this character is. Um, in another cabin, a group of counselors are having a sing-along, and then a couple of them slip away to go get busy in a, another secret spot. But they're quickly interrupted by this unknown stalker that, you know, we're following through. And they're startled at first, and they begin to offer excuses. Um, so almost in a way, like, maybe this was someone that they knew that was uh, coming upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden... And they're like, oh my! Oh! Yeah, oh they're like, we weren't, oh. we weren't doing oh anything uh um but then suddenly stalker becomes assailant and stabs the boy in the gut and next uh, starts going after the girl um and as she backs away and shrieks and screams no 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 then the image freezes on her screaming face right before we expect that you know she gets it too and we get the giant title card of friday the 13th smashing through the frame um, breaking so glass. Breaking glass, yeah. And then we go into the opening credits. So after the credits, now it says Friday, June 13th, the present. It doesn't give a, a year. It just says the present, which it clearly mm. is not when we see this, our adorable, sunshiny, crunchy 80s brunette with her hiking backpack, uh, hoofing it through this small town on her way to a job at Camp Crystal Lake. Um, she appeals to the diners at the local cafe um, for directions or help, and she gets a real, like, record scratch moment, or like, when she says the name of the camp to, to the locals. Um, and, she, you know, we get a couple of... Uh, <laughs> camp Blood. <laughs> yeah, a couple of responses, um, including the statement, Camp Blood, they open in that place again. Um, but she's able to swing a ride with one of the diners, um, and on the way walking to his truck, they run into the town crazy Ralph. <laughs> He's like, you going to Camp Blood, ain't you? You'll never come back again. It's got a death curse. <laughs> and of course, the truck driver's like, oh, shut up, Ralph, and like pushes him away. Um, and Ralph like gets on his little um, like Wizard of Oz bicycle. He's like, flies away. Yeah. So on the ride, um, we find out that our our counselor, Annie, she's completely unaware of the camp's history and the driver fills her in on the murders in 58, which are the ones we saw at the opening of the movie. And he also mentions a boy that drowned in 57 the year before. 
Um, she gets dropped off by this trucker halfway to the camp. Um, and then we pop from her to another trio of camp employees that are on their way to Crystal Lake. And this is Ned, Marcy, and Marcy's boyfriend, Jack, who is played by a 22-year-old Kevin Bacon, who is uh, two years after he made Animal House, but he's still four years from his turn in Footloose. So he is Aww. sweet and fresh-faced and Innocent. feathered hair, because it's just eight, 1980s, so the feathered hair is still present. Yeah. Um, and and we, love, we love Jack. Um, so this trio arrive at the camp. They meet the camp owner, Steve Christie, and another employee named Alice. And then they add to that um, two more counselors, Brenda and Bill. And soon these six young counselors are all hard at work preparing the camp, you know, getting it all ready for the, the campers that they're expecting soon. Counselor number seven, Annie, um, is still trying to make her way to the camp. She's, you know, hoofing it down the road until a Jeep arrives and picks her up. But we don't see the driver. So, again, there's this situation where, you know, some somebody's an active participant in the scene and we're not actually seeing who they are, but we see through their eyes. Um, so after the drive goes on for a while, Annie points out that they missed the turn to the camp. Um, and But the Jeep speeds up and Annie starts to get nervous. And then when the driver refuses to stop, she actually jumps from the speeding Jeep, um, but then gets chased through the woods before having her throat slashed by the driver who is still unseen to us, the, the viewer. So then we go back to the camp. There's a few fun scenes of the counselors swimming in the lake, um, dealing with a snake that's in one of the cabins. Like, the, everything's all pretty entertaining, especially, as I mentioned to Meredith earlier, the bit where we see, you know, Kevin Bacon is in a Speedo, and there's one... Form-fitting We have one um, very, very revealing angle that we get that almost seems, like, unnecessary. <laughs> We needed it. Well, maybe back then we did. He was really trying to launch his career, and he yeah. was willing to do anything. He's like, I'll do a form-fitting speedo. Yeah, Shots. give it to me. Give me that footloose. Give me, give me footloose. that. I, I want that footloose money. Yeah. Um, so the camper is also... So this is what the, um, the owner of the camp, Mr. Christie, has gone off into town to do something, and he's left all these young people um, on their own, supposedly working to get the camp ready. Um, and a local cop um, shows around, is giving him a hard time, you know, you guys smoking grass, you you know, what are Smoke you kids up to? Um, but uh, allegedly the, the cop is there looking for the quote-unquote town crazy Ralph, who yeah. has disappeared. Um, and so then shortly after the cop leaves, you know, one of the ca uh, counselors, like, goes into the pantry and Ralph just, like, bursts out. <laughs> and he's like, hello, everybody. <laughs> hello, my baby. But no, he's like, you got a death curse. You're all going to die. It's doomed. I know. And then they're like, yeah, get out of here. You're like, boo, go away. Yep. And so then he gets back on he's his like, bike. And then he's like, fine. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Pedals off through the woods. Um and then this, so the next thing that happens is Ned, one of our counselors, is like walking around and he sees movement in this um, distant empty cabin. You know, hey, who, who's that? Who's there? Follows it. But we're kind of left hanging as to what happens next. Um, we're moving over to now it's uh, later that evening um, and a storm has kind of come in. So Brenda, Alice and Bill are hanging out in the common room getting a game of strip monopoly going. The classic game, Strip Monopoly. Mm -hmm. um, and then Jack and Marcy are getting it on in another cabin. Um, then the camera pans away from them in bed to the body of Ned on the bunk above them with his throat cut. So they're just, like, getting busy right under his dead body. Mm -hmm. So then, As you um, want to do in a horror slasher movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what's that smell? <laughs> what's going on? It's fine. Don't yeah, worry it's about it. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, then Marcy's making her postcoital trip to the bathroom, and Jack gets killed. He's laying in the bunk with an arrow uh, being thrust through the bed underneath him and up through his throat. It's, it's really impressive. Mm -hmm. um, and then Marcy gets it next in the bathroom with an axe to the forehead. So oh, those yeah. two are yeah. out of commission. Um, back with the other group, the Monopoly game breaks up for the night, and the three still surviving counselors, because so far we've got, you know, dead Ned in the bed with his throat cut, and then we've got Kevin Bacon in the bed with the arrow through his throat, and then Marcy with the axe in her head. So out of six, three are already down. Well, and Annie was the seventh, and she's mm -hmm. dead in the woods. So we've got three left. Um, and we also, at this point, finally see camp owner Steve uh, getting ready to leave town and come back to the camp where he's abandoned these young people. Um, but before he can arrive, uh, Brenda, who's in bed, um, hears calls for help from either a child or a woman out in the storm. So she follows the calls out through the rain to the archery range. And again, you know, we know something's about to happen. She's about to get it, but we don't see what happens. The, the scene moves away from it before she's, she's killed. 
Um, so now we've got our two other remaining counselors, Alice and Bill, um, come, managed to come across a bloody axe left on a pillow. And they're like, huh, that's peculiar. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so they start hunting for their missing friends because at their point, I mean, they know that Brenda went to bed. But as far as they're concerned, they just haven't seen Ned or Jack or Marcy first several hours and they're debating going for help but of course the phones are down from the storm and the truck won't start now um steve's still working his way back to the camp his car breaks down he gets a ride from a cop most of the way back to the camp um finally arrives at the camp at you know late at night in the pouring rain and encounters our unseen individual and he clearly recognizes this person he greets them and asks what they're doing there before they stab him in the stomach Mm -hmm. (laughs) so again we're like our assailant is familiar to some of these people um and that, benign. Like, I'm so, oh, how's it going? And like, yeah. benign. Like, yeah. oh, how's it going? I'm yeah, not, not a threatening to see you at person. All. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, that's the end of Steve. Um, so now Bill and Alice, who are the only two that are still together, um, Bill leaves Alice alone to go check the generator um, while she lays down to rest. Um, and then when she wakes up, she goes to look for him and finds his body hanging from a door full of arrows. It happens. Huh. Um, so she's alarmed because <laughs> she, you know, already felt like something was wrong, something was going on. But this is the first, you know, actual problem that she's she's observed. So she uh, runs and barricades herself inside the main cabin. And as she's panicking and, and walking through inside and pulling curtains right and left, all of a sudden the body of Brenda is flung through a window at her. So that's very traumatic. Alice is freaking out and hysterical um when she sees a vehicle arrive outside she sees the headlights pull up so she you know pulls everything away from the door that she's barricaded and she runs out to meet the driver for help and it's a pleasant middle-aged uh woman who informs her why i'm mrs Voorhees, an old friend of the christie's oh yeah and she's like oh thank god hey, mr Voorhees. she said they're all dead everybody's dead oh my god but mrs Voorhees is eerily calm and cheerful as Alice is telling her, they're all dead. <laughs> oh, it's fine, honey. It's fine. I'm not afraid. Let's go take care of it. And they go back inside and Mrs. Voorhees sees Brenda's body on the floor and and uh, Bill hanging from the door. Very, very routine about these. Oh, such a shame. These, oh. these young people. These, oh, rats. Oh, darn. These What's dead this? bodies. And, and then she gets kind of dramatic and laments the reopening of the camp. Uh, you know, I, I knew they shouldn't have done it. They never should have reopened this place. And she starts telling Alice about the drowning that had occurred before the murders that we witnessed, the drowning that the truck driver alluded to earlier. And she goes, the counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. And she continues to tell the story of the drowned boy. She says his name is Jason. And Allison, Alice is starting to get pretty creeped out by Mrs. Voorhees. She's not really feeling anymore like this is the welcome rescuer uh, that she thought at first. Um, starts, like, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, she, you're, you're right. They never should have reopened uh, reopened the camp. And But then it starts getting worse because Mrs. Voorhees starts talking to Jason. Up Mm -hmm. in the air, up in the sky. Um, And she tells Alice that Jason was her son. And today is his birthday. So Alice is like, great. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mrs. Voorhees goes on to say that she just couldn't let them open the camp again. It was just, it was too dangerous. All of the terrible things that happened. Um, And then she starts lashing out at Alice um, as a representative of these evil counselors. And they start, you know fighting and struggling um and as alice is trying to get away and fleeing she starts encountering body after body first she runs to the the jeep that mrs Voorhees arrived in and opens it up and there's dead annie Uh, and then as she's running from the jeep mr christie's body is flops down from a tree ahead of her so it was a real house of horrors of uh exposing Mm -hmm. all of these corpses um so uh and meanwhile mrs Voorhees is having what i kind of think of as a psycho moment Mm -hmm. because she's um, speaking as both Jason and herself, so we have mm-hmm. like these extreme facial close-ups of like, her oh, going, "Mother, mother, yeah, yeah." Like only, only for Mrs. Voorhees, it's, "Kill her, mommy, kill her! Don't let her live." Mm-hmm. I won't, Jason. I won't. So she's having this her little combo. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, with with herself um, as Jason. And so it, we've got several occurrences where, you know, Alice is fleeing. Mrs. Voorhees catches up with her. They scuffle again with this next time. It's kind of odd. Mrs. Voorhees kind of takes Alice by the shoulders and just starts bitch slapping her back and group <laughs> forth across the face. It's kind of like Alice is hysterical and she's trying to calm her down or something. She's just like, smack, smack, smack. You're like, oh, that's that's a little awkward. She had um, it coming. Sorry. Yeah, she did. She was she was a real, real, real nasty woman. Um, and then Alice escapes again. Uh, she hides in a pantry because, you know, seems like a good plan, but naturally she's found. Um, there's more fighting, and at this, like, Alice is able to get Mrs. Voorhees to a condition where she's either unconscious or dead. Um, and so then Alice goes out to the edge of the lake and, you know, in her child, okay, I think, I think it's okay, I think it's fine. But of course, Mrs. Voorhees appears once again behind her and attacks Alice with a machete. Um, but Alice is able to get away, and there's another struggle, um, and then finally Alice gets her hands on the machete and chops off Mrs. Voorhees' head. Mm-hmm. So she's feeling, she's feeling like now. Finally she did it. Yeah, now the confrontation is really definitely done. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that it's over, Alice does the most rational thing, and she gets in a canoe and paddles herself out into the middle of the lake and goes to sleep. Uh, she floats there until morning when the police arrive. And uh, I do love this. And obviously, you know, we we know that this is a spoiler abounding uh, movie if you've never seen this. Sorry, Mm -hmm. but this is one of my favorite jump scare movie conclusions ever because Alice is, you know, looking with relief across this idyllic lake scene with all the autumn foliage to her salvation of the police officers on the shore. And all of a sudden, a rotting algae covered boy, Jason, leaps out of the water and pulls her out of the canoe into the lake. Mm hmm. Um, but next, she awakes with a start in a hospital room, and we wonder, like, oh, okay, was this a, a dream? Um, and there's a, you know, a cop on hand, and he tells her, yes, everyone is dead, and that they thought that she was dead, too, when they pulled her out of the lake. And she asks about the boy, Jason, if he was dead, too. And they say, we didn't find any boy. And then she says dramatically, then he's still there. And then the film closes on the image of the serene surface of Crystal Lake with the un- unruffled water. Of like, oh, he's yeah. still there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end. Well done. Thank you. Uh-huh. Can, could, could my love for the movie be heard in my description? Did it come <laughs> through? It was less disdainful than if you had been doing a recap of this Probably, movie. Probably, like, 100%. I'd be like, yeah. so... Like some bodies fell out. Yeah, and it was like, there's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so did you think it was scary, Meredith? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> well, I do enjoy that the assailant. You're from. You're watching the film from the perspective of the of the assailant. So I really liked that. I thought that was kind of fun. And then it, I guess it is a twist that it's the mom, like mm-hmm. not. And, like someone who's like a benign, usually a benign protective kind of person. Yeah. Or like a stick, like character would be a mother mm-hmm. and not the murderer. So right. that's, that's fun. Um, I, I don't know, like I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but I do enjoy Tom Savini's work and I'll tell you more about that in a little bit, but. I mean, I don't find it scary. I do understand why it's, like, iconic, and I do think it deserves a watch. If you like mm-hmm. scary movies, you should watch it. So yeah. that's why I watched it, and I was like, eh, okay. But, mm-hmm. like, slasher movies aren't typically my favorite. Um, but I'll watch every single one. Yeah. Like, I've watched every single slasher movie probably that exists. Um, Out of respect. Of Yeah. So I'm like, I might like this one. It's mm. like a white wine. I hate white wine, but I'll try it. Because <laughs> okay. you might find one I might someday. find the one. That I like. Yeah, yeah. But still, no, I won't buy I, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that answers my question, your question, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it does, it does. It's, uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't necessarily <laughs> say that um, I consider it to be scary. Mm-hmm. I think that most, I mean, I, I am the slasher fan in the group. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah. And I but I wouldn't say that I find them scary. And this is actually something that was an interesting realization that I had years ago with um so my best friend Hillary um we've been best friends since middle school and she was my original scary movie 
a pal from, you know, a very young age. And, but it wasn't until we were in our twenties that, um, I think it might've been when we were seeing one of the newer, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, maybe the Jordana Brewster one, I think. Um, the remakes were good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she was really scared by it. And I was like, that's, that's weird. Like, I don't, I don't find this scary. And we had this kind of epiphany moment after, you know, at that point, you know, a decade or more of watching scary movies together that we're scared by opposite things. We're like, she's scared by scary movies that could actually happen. Mm-hmm. And like Texas Chainsaw Massacre could actually happen. Mm, yep. But that doesn't doesn't bother me mm-hmm. for some reason. But like ghost stories or supernatural things or demons, which, you know, for we're pretty pragmatic science based people that don't believe those could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Those are the movies that scare me. Unless it's late at night and you hear a noise and you're like, obviously that's a demon. Yeah, clearly that you know, <laughs> I'm about to be dragged down into the pits of hell. Yeah. Um, but no, and those movies don't really scare her as much. Yeah. And so we kind of have like these these opposite things. And so with the the slasher movies, I don't find them scary. No. I just find them entertaining. And mm-hmm. I think that that's part of the reason why I like the older ones better because the the violence and the gore is so mild mm-hmm. compared to the ones that they make now that are like, you know, bordering on the torture porn um, mm-hmm. category mm-hmm. of movies where mm-hmm. like the um, the Rob Zombie Halloween movies, when yeah. I watch those, I feel like bad about myself. I'm mm-hmm. like, what does it say about me that I consider this entertainment? Yeah. Um, because the violence and gore is so disturbing and so realistic um, and so upsetting um, whereas the, the violence and gore, if you can even call it that in these old, you know, eighties, early eighties slasher movies is so cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, even the ones that look realistic for the time, mm-hmm. um, it's not upsetting like some of the stuff being made now. Um, and so I think that that's why I just, I just find them super entertaining. And I've, I've said this about a couple, I mean, I think I said this about The the Shining and um, some of the other uh, ones that we've already talked about, where it's hard to imagine having been back when this movie was new, mm-hmm. because now everybody knows who Jason Voorhees is. Yeah. And like, even if a lot of people, if you've never seen the movie, you might not know that his mom was the killer in the first movie. Yeah. Um, but you know who Jason is and you have a context going going into it that really changes how you would see the movie. But if you were seeing this as a new movie in 1980, and this is a new character that's being introduced for the first time and you have no context or information, Mm -hmm. because they do try and kind of um, build the movie around like, oh, well, maybe the killer's this person. Maybe the killer's this person. Never at any point when you were watching this, you would, would you have thought Jason was the killer? Because yeah. he's just this peripherally mentioned little boy that drowned years ago. Yeah. But, you know, we've got this murderer of the two people on the outset. And then you've got this killer who's, you know, rampaging throughout the movie. And they kind of lead you to believe at a couple points, like, maybe it is Ralph. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get, like, when you get a glimpse of the back of the person, when Ned sees him, he's almost wearing the exact same thing that Ralph was wearing. And so they are trying to be like, ooh, is it this person? Is the killer this person? Who could it be? Who could it be? Like red herring. Yeah. yeah and then when they give you Mrs. Voorhees at the end, like you say, she's this benevolent mother figure that you would not think at first could potentially be the killer, especially because she's not a character that's been mentioned yet. I mean, they mentioned Jason, but they never mentioned Jason's mom until she shows up. Mm -hmm. And they never say Jason's last name. So when she introduces herself as Mrs. Voorhees, you would have had no connection between her and mm-hmm. this, you know, boy that they mentioned that drowned. Yeah. So watching it now with all of this context we already have in our brain really affects how it comes across. So it's, I wish that there was a way to, like, go back and see it as if it was new, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah. you didn't already have all that data in your head. Without all the, uh, like, cultural, like, right. references, like, in The Simpsons or, like... Yeah. Even Cabin in the Woods when they had the Harbinger who's like, don't go to the thing. And they're like, you know, he's he's supposed to be there. He's like planted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and exactly. I don't know. Like, like maybe I'll, it would have been scary. Sure. Yeah. I would have. I mean, I watch all I watch all of these movies and I find them like they're not like scary. Sometimes I just turn it on and I'm like, oh, that's something to watch in the background. I think that that's why I've seen yeah. it so many times because yeah. it's one of my favorite ones to just pop on yeah. while I'm around, you know. Sure. But I'm not like, I really want to see something that's like, will scare me. Mm-hmm. I'll never watch this. No, no, like, probably yeah. I wouldn't either. And if I wanted to sit down, eyes on the screen the whole time, yeah. this wouldn't be one I would pick. Sure. Although I really do enjoy, like, speaking of slasher movies, I did enjoy Scream. 
and yes. like those ones. But yeah. I, they seemed a little more like thought went into like not thought, but like evolving. Yeah, I think. Well, and that was from that was like a a modern perspective of somebody who has this whole you know era of scary movies behind them mm-hmm. and, and so for someone it. like when you and I yeah, yeah it's yeah. like when you already know all those movies there was that familiarity of when they mentioned this movie or that movie mm-hmm. and you're like oh because you had seen them all and you know all the things that they're referring to and you're picking up on all the little things so that definitely made that entertaining but you're right that the slasher component of that was original too mm-hmm. yeah it was different so I mean I'll tell anyone to watch it it's fun yeah um you know, I would always, I would wear a Camp Crystal Lake shirt or a Jason, whatever. You mean like the one I'm yeah, wearing right exactly. now? <laughs> but I wouldn't say I'm a super, super fan yeah. or anything. But, yeah. but you are a super fan of Tom Savini. Tom Savini. I love him. I will watch, like I said, I'll watch anything he makes, even if it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, not terrible. He's my favorite, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I've mentioned him before. Yeah, because we talked about monkey shines. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the godfather of gore and um, they call him the sultan of splatter and all that stuff. He he does like special effects mm-hmm. and he worked on Friday the 13th and then Friday the 13th, uh, the final like, chapter, the final chapter, which was the fourth one. Yes. And then there were subsequent, subsequently like eight or nine after that. <laughs> we'll go into that in a minute. Sure. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I read a few little things about it, uh, about his work. Um, the first was, and I thought, you know, because it's the end scene, like you mentioned, where Jason's, like, jumping out of the water was just, like, so iconic. And even if you haven't seen the movie, you, that imagery is in a lot of people's heads. Like, they know that from yeah. maybe pop culture stuff mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, but he talked about in this, it's called... Everything I'm reading aloud is like I stole it from the internet. So let me give it its, you know, um, due credit. You know, due credit. This is from the Consequence website. Um, it was an interview that was done during quarantine. So this is really recent. Mm. And um, he's talking about Friday the 13th and how um, he said that end scene, he said, it was my idea. I had just seen Carrie. And in oh. Carrie, she. Um, the, the character, she's walking towards the graveyard, the music is playing, the credits are kind of starting to roll, um, and, um... Oh, yeah, it's the you know, rubble of the house. Any second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the credits are going to roll any seconds, and, and so, to you, the movie, you know, is over, yeah. and then a, he goes, then a fucking hand comes out of the grave, <laughs> and it scared the shit out of me. So I said... We need to have an ending like that with Jason coming out of the water and who grabs Adrian or the the character. Alice. That's, yeah, yeah, Alice. Um, but I guess that Adrian is the actress. Actress. That oh, that. Played. OK. Gotcha. Um, and then people replied, but he's dead. And I said, well, it doesn't matter. Make it a dream because people buy anything. If you just make it a dream, the whole fucking last season of Dallas that he comes out of the shower and everyone bought it. So he made it a dream sequence. Um you know, to include that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. Like, he was just like, I want to do that. And then um, I watched a little bit later of, of a very old, um, like, interview. And he's talking about how he was, like, in the theater, like, in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And he heard people seeing that movie for the first time, Friday the 13th. And yeah. um, it's, like, the end. Mm-hmm. And people are, like, screaming when the he comes out of the water. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, like, they really like it. They're, that really just, you know, got them. And then he's like, and then me and some other friends, we went to watch it. And then we screamed, even though we made the movie, like, we were surprised. And yeah. Screamed. So it's just like that element of like, ah, like yeah. at the end um, sticks with people. Mm-hmm. So he just, you know, that was really cool. And he said he um, had a person in his neighborhood who kind of had a fam- like that similar shaped, um, like, disfigurement and, and like Jason's. Um, face mm-hmm. and all that, and so that's was his inspiration, and he, and he then he created that that character and, yeah. and created the had the actor sit for like the mold and all oh that wow, stuff. Um, so it's really cool. And then the second thing I found was uh, from Screen Rant, and it's the Kevin Bacon death scene, and um, it was like there was a body cast that was made, and then um, they had Kevin's 
bacon actually was like under the bed, but like had his only his head sticking out. And yeah. then they had the neck made. And then so Tom Sabidi's under there and Kevin Bacon's under there and somebody else is under there. With <laughs> Everybody's like the, crammed under the bed. Yeah, they're like have like the squirting thing with the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Sony, who um, an assistant um, had um, a blood bag there and then like there was the arrow that was pushed through the prosthetic mm-hmm. neck and it was like they had the one shot, one opportunity to get yeah. this right. And like the pump thing didn't work oh no and so they pushed it through and then suddenly someone was like you know they just like blew through the tube to make the blood start oozing and that worked and they're like okay we got the scene and um it's like it was it was crazy it took like hours and hours to get it yeah and it sticks with everybody people were like that was a crazy scene so and then kevin bacon said like even now if he's like at a convention or something like signing autographs people come with that picture of him with the thing through no, it. No, to like, sign. Blood. Yeah, to sign. And he's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, that, like, helped Don't you have career. anything from A Few Good Men? <laughs> he's like, I was in Footloose. I was in, like, everything. But, you know, it, um, he said that the blood that had a weird kind of trajectory for my career. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he he was amazing, uh, Tom Savini, mm-hmm. and... He, I think I mentioned before in this podcast, I went to the um, this convention in Atlanta for The Walking Dead, and Tom Savini was there with Greg Nicotero, who is also an amazing special effects person. And I went to the um, like a panel, and it was me and like twenty other people, and it was like not many. And I was like, "How are you not? How are not more people here right now? Like wanting to watch this guy? He's yeah. like a legend. Yeah, and he just talked about." How he was in Vietnam, and he was a Vietnam photographer, and how he saw a lot of, like, really gruesome things, and that helped him realize what looks real and what doesn't yeah. when he started out in the film film industry, so... Yeah, because we talked about yeah. that a little bit or just earlier that, um, before we started recording um, about how even though, you know, this is a 1980 film and you might categorize it as being like one of the old cheesy fake looking ones, like the the couple of moments like Kevin Bacon's death, like Annie's death where she gets her throat slit yeah. Um, yeah. in the woods, like she's the, you know, the first one that we see um, die in that way. And then um, when Mrs. Voorhees' head gets chopped off, mm-hmm. um, like all of those um, look for the time look very realistic. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes in these movies, like you, like you would say that you know they had the prosthetic neck that they built for Kevin Bacon. When they would do something like that, it would be so apparent that it wasn't really their neck. It wouldn't mm-hmm. look like flesh, or it wouldn't be the right color, or it wouldn't line up with their head or their body in a way that looked natural. Mm-hmm. And so it was so obvious that there was this prosthetic aesthetic there to to do the special effect and mm-hmm. in in this one especially with Annie because she's just standing it's full daylight they're not it's not even a dark scene to yeah. be forgiving in that way she's killed in full daylight standing upright against a tree in the woods and gets you know just the knife dragged across her throat and opening yeah. it up and it it looks really convincing especially for how old this movie is it did so while I'm like, oh, you know, not my cup of tea, but I do appreciate the... Mm-hmm. It has merit. <laughs> it does. I mean, it has a lot of talent and people, like, thought and people worked really hard to make this, to yeah. make it and, and do the special effects. So, and it started, it was like a watershed kind of moment when this movie was made and um, it impacted basically the, like, horror movie industry yeah. for, for years to come. It's, there's a reason why everyone on in the country knows who this is, even if they've never seen one of these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part of the ethos. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's our American fabric. Yeah. This is what we've given to the world. You're welcome. It's fine. I'll it's fine. It. Yeah. So that was all I had to share about Tom Savini, one of my heroes. Ah, and I love him. And he should be all of our heroes. Yeah, he should. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, then, so then the only other thing, um, you know, I'm, I'm the fan of slashers in the group, and I'm also the fan of excessive sequels. Um, it's true. She has binders. I have binders. With not binders of women. No. Binders Binders of DVDs. (laughs) Of all of these sequels. Yeah. yeah, I used, for a while, every Halloween, I would gift myself a new complete series on DVD. Um, and it was interesting with um, Friday the 13th, and this also happened with 
I think with Hellraiser was the other one that it happened with where I would have watched the, you know, the whole series when I was younger. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later when I decide, okay, I'm going to buy the whole series for myself now that I'm an adult with money. Um, and I would realize that they had made two or three new ones since I had watched the whole series as a young person. And so I had new ones to watch that I'd never seen before. I I need to watch these. I need all of these. Um, and, uh, Friday the 13th was one of those where, um, I believe, uh, when I, oh, actually, I think the the only one that I wouldn't have seen was Jason X, um, but I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. So there are so these are this is the uh, chronology of the um, Jason Voorhees uh, film franchise. So this first one that we talked about just now came out in 1980. Then in 1981 they released Part Two and 82 Part Three. So three movies in three years. Um, then in 1984, they made what was called the final chapter. Ha 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 ha. Oh, silly. Ha. Now, the final chapter was special. It featured a uh, young Corey Feldman, who mm-hmm. was, you know, entering his it boy status phase. And also Crispin Glover Ugh. in a delightful performance. Oh, I can't stand him. Oh, no. He's so I annoying. love Crispin Glover. Uh, anyway, so that was number four. Final chapter was number four. And then they were like, oops. Just kidding. In 1985, they made New Beginning. We're back. We're back. Um, then followed in 1986 by Jason Lives. Um, in 1988 by The New Blood, which was um, the seventh movie. Uh, in 1989, the eighth movie came out called Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. Um, in 1993, they called it Jason goes to hell the final Friday. So they didn't learn their lesson the first time around by putting final in the title. Because then in 2001, they released the 10th movie called Jason X for the Roman numeral 10. Mm-hmm. Then we had the crossover movie Freddy vs. Jason in 2003. Um, and then the actually very excellent remake that was released in 2009. Um, and for me, you know, so I own all of these. I've seen all of them multiple times. I love all of them, some more than others. Um, the the seventh movie, The New Blood, um, gave us this um, kind of image and concept of the because the way that they eliminate Jason in that one is um, he's chained and then sunk to the bottom of the lake. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, inspired some twisted souls out there to create life size Jason Voorhees statues, chains and machetes and all and place them at the bottom of bodies of water to terrify divers and um, the most notable and I think the first person that did this it was actually in Minnesota um, and then someone else did it in Arizona at one point but then I think it was removed but the Minnesota one was down there long enough that it you know it started to kind of grow algae and weather a little bit and so it looked even more like the one that was in the movie and it was in a it was actually in a cave system like a, um, a mine or a cave system that scuba divers go into regularly and so that was the whole point of putting it there because people would be underwater to actually encounter it, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. And I'm like, I'll allow it. Yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> um, and then in number eight, Jason Takes Manhattan was super, super over the top because when you have this many sequels, they just keep getting more and more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, the highlight of that one for me is actually when Jason, uh, he, this is the point where, so the, the premise of Jason Takes Manhattan is it's a bunch of high school seniors that um, are on a cruise, like a senior cruise ship that is going to Manhattan from whatever, you know, town they um, they come from. And Jason gets on board the cruise ship. And so uh, the most or at least the first half of the movie is um, taking place on the cruise ship with him, you know, murdering students right and left on this cruise ship. Uh, But then it actually does. They end up in Manhattan, the Mm -hmm. the remaining survivors at that point, as does Jason. One of the survivors is this high school. He's like this boxing champion. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a scene where that a student faces off with Jason on the roof of a building in Manhattan and he's like, all right, man, let's do this. Let's dance, you know, and he's going to start like boxing with Jason, right? And so he's like, do, 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 you know, land in a couple punches here and there and Jason's just standing there and then Jason punches his head off. Hmm. <laughs> he punches one punch to this guy's head and takes his head <laughs> off of his body. <laughs> it's just like, uh, I don't know how you don't love that. I feel like I should watch this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the best. It's my I had favorite. I some doubts, and then I was like, no, no, no. I yeah, need no, to watch this. No, now you're on board. Um, 
Jason Goes to Hell is a fun one. That's That was the ninth one. And then Jason X, when they were like, we think we maybe we've jumped the shark, but let's go ahead and put it in space. Yeah. Jason X is in space. Um, and it's it's adorable and like just stupid and cheesy and hilarious and it's ridiculous. And I just I do. I do really, really love You're them. A fan. I'm a fan. Um, I loved the crossover at the Freddy versus Jason. Mm-hmm. Loved, loved that movie. Um, but then I think that the relevant, the one relevant tidbit that I would like to share, because I think, again, even people who, so people who've never seen any of the movies might not realize that Mrs. Voorhees was the killer in the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, but some people who've never seen the movies, but they've seen Scream, you know, and they say that in Scream, Mrs. Voorhees was the killer in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's maybe a little bit more common knowledge, but a lot of people may not realize is that Jason did not get his hockey mask until the third movie mm-hmm. because he's not the killer at all in the first. Yeah. And in the second, he has a burlap sack over his head. That oh. is his mask. And it is in the third one that there is a hockey mask uh, hanging on a, you know, a post or something in one of the cabins and he picks it up and puts it on. And that's when he actually gains the hockey mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the hockey mask itself changes um, uh, as it evolves. It, it gets, you know, red triangles here and there. The shape kind of changes. And then obviously when he's in space, it goes completely over the top into this like weird alloy metal type yeah, it was metal crazy thing. Um, but yeah, so that that's another like kind of little tidbit about this that if you haven't, you know, gone deep into the into the franchise, Dear you might not realize. Dive. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I make no apologies. I love it. I don't claim that it's good, um, the franchise overall, not not the, the first movie in particular, uh, but I do love it. That's fine. <laughs> would you say it's like a guilty pleasure? or would you, Yeah, I think that's safe to like, say. Yeah. Fine. You know, you don't, I mean, do you watch like The Bachelor and all that shit? No. Okay, well, this is, could be that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and this is, um, you know, not to, to jump ahead to like the parent corner, but with Grace, she, so I showed her this, the first one, I mean, several years ago. She was a little bit younger for that one, but then we didn't go, because there are a lot of uh, unnecessary sex scenes. Um, and so when she was littler, it's like, well, I'd have to skip so much. It's not even, you know, worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and then she got a little bit older and I was like, okay, so some of these aren't so bad that I would need to skip it or whatever. And there's just a couple of things that we'd have to manage. But I realized that it had been a really long time since I had actually, like I said before, sat down eyes on screen for the duration of a lot of these movies mm-hmm. and doing that with her. I was like, wow, these are really bad. These are really <laughs> bad movies. And it was actually... Um, which one was it that, cause we made it all the way to new beginning. So the, the fifth one, um, and it was one where there, there were some sex scenes in it that I was like, okay, well I'm going to have to manage something about that. Cause if any, if nothing else, it'll just be awkward to, for her to sit there and watch it with her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were only like 15 or 20 minutes into it. And I'm like, this is this is bad, isn't it? This, and she's like, this is terrible. I was like, we do not have to keep watching this if you don't want to. She's like, okay. Thank you. I feel like I'm wasting my life. Today. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, at least then I didn't have to manage all of the, the dirty scenes of skipping over in that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not worth it. No, it's not. Um, so, you know, for from a parent perspective, this isn't one that's, I think, worthwhile, except for the first movie. Um, it doesn't have a lot that you would need to gloss over for a kid, you know, in the 10 to 12, the youngish horror mm-hmm. movie age, because it's not really that scary. The violence is, it's kind of, I don't know, just like by modern standards, it's kind of tame. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just not scary. And then there's, you know, there's the scene where Kevin Bacon and his girl are getting busy, but that's one scene that you could choose to skip over, or fast forward through or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but the the rest of them are not, you know, like let your, your kid maybe later on in life, if they have a lot of time on their hands or something or getting paid to do it, they can watch sure. the, all the sequels then. Yeah. Like you get, well, you get paid $1,300 to watch all these horror movies. Exactly. Exactly. But the first one is like we've said with a lot of it's, it is iconic. It's, um, it's worth a watch. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you, you know, are trying to, you know, give a, a classic horror movie education to a youngish child, like Grace's age, like t- she's 12, but you know, um, it's, it's not that problematic in my opinion. This is always our unqualified parent recommendation. Yeah, corner. They're not even, we're not trained. No, like, you know, God, no. whatever. 
No, you get to just have kids. Nobody trains you to no. take care of them, right? No, nope, not at all. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that um, I think what you're saying makes sense. It seems pretty. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say. I mean, not super intense. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not you. You don't. There's actually a lot of the violence that you don't see because of this style of, you know, the pursuit of the person, mm-hmm. and then they cut away, and then yeah. there's the startling revelation of the dead body later. Yeah. But with most of the deaths, you don't actually see them happen. Yes, they're like you think, and you think something bad happens, but you're not sure, and it's left to like you, yeah. you wondering what happened. Yeah. And then, like we talked with, you know, the ones that you do see, thanks to Mr. Savini, they are realistic for the time. Mm-hmm. But kids these days are used to CGI and really, really high-tech special effects. So to a kid this day and age, they would not look that realistic. Yeah. In yeah. a way that would be frightening. They wouldn't feel like they were actually watching somebody be harmed. Yeah. They yeah. would be able to tell that it was fake. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, thank you for your your um, parent <laughs> recommendation. So, like, in the end, Sure. Sure, sure. The first one, <laughs> don't don't mess with the rest. Yeah, because like not because it's terrifying, because it's like eh. it's not it's not worth the the time and effort to sanitize it or make it appropriate or whatever. Just let them let that be something they do in their high school years without you. Sure, yeah, they can do that on their own. It's it's whatever. Assuming you've done your job when they're young and actually made them a horror fan. Yeah. Then that will be something that they can pursue later on on mm-hmm. their own. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so. What do we... Oh, um, we're going to continue on with the, our horror movie. Like, Halloween picks. Halloween choices. So I think we decided, because our, our friend Lorena was supposed to be here and then had like a something come up with work. And so we're not sure about her. Like, it was going to be a choice of her choosing um, Hellraiser, Hellraiser and I'm choosing Rosemary's Baby. So... We're not really sure what order we're going to do it in. So I would say watch both. Yeah, if you haven't seen them sure. before. Yeah. Or I if mean, you haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, and it's almost October, so you Get should started. be anyway. Yeah. You should be watching these movie any, movies anyway. So. Yeah, so start with those. Yeah, I know that. Um, I'm pretty sure Hellraiser is streaming on Prime. Oh, you is know, it? I think so. I, I um, have them all on DVD. I know, so. you, I know, I know you do. <laughs> Uh, I have no idea if Rosemary's Baby is streaming anywhere. I have the DVD. I've had it since, like, high school. Since they first started making DVDs. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I need this. I need this I must own it. So check those out, and it'll be kind of a surprise. Yeah, we'll be one or the other next time. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right. um, Thanks for joining us, and we'll... Oh, we'll maybe give you an update we're going to hor- um, a haunted house after this recording yeah um, we went to it last area. year and and uh we're going to the same one again this year um not last year the year before because of covid oh that's right that's right two years yes. ago yeah and as always i'm very cool and like a calm collected person and i'm losing my shit acts like a lunatic and yeah. screams and i mean it's not because i'm bored i'm enjoying myself yeah but i just don't react but we'll have a little update on how that how that went <laughs> yeah and how much my shirt was pulled yeah it's I, gonna be pulled more this year because i'm not gonna have lorena to cling to i know i'm like yeah there's a lot of protect me and i'm like okay i'm like you've seen enough be gone <laughs> all right um we will see you next time bye all right, bye